0: Welcome to Interesting Times. I'm Joe Streckert. In 1959, the United States of America had a secret plan to nuke the moon. Project A119 involved first landing a series of sensors on the moon, and yes, this is a real thing, to detect and measure a nuclear blast in the lunar environment and, following that up with, the blast itself. American scientists hoped that exploding a nuclear weapon on the surface of the moon in 1959 would be visible from Earth, or at least it would kick up a dust cloud that would be visible from Earth. The nuke in question for this plan, which, again, was real, would have had to have been a small one. Uh, In 1959, the U.S. didn't have the capability to get some of the larger hydrogen bombs into space, so, for this project they would want to use something that was a mere 1.7 kilotons. That's still a very big blast, and that's enough to take out several city blocks, but it's nowhere near as big as the Hiroshima blast, which is estimated to have been between 13 to 18 kilotons. The point of this whole endeavor wasn't just to shoot a nuke at the moon just because nuking a celestial object seemed like a good idea at the time, but because American scientists and military strategists felt However, briefly, a nuclear detonation on the lunar surface would be an effective demonstration of American power. If the United States could cause an explosion of unprecedented size on Earth's satellite, then the implication was it could also call down the fury of the heavens on Warsaw, on Beijing, on Leningrad, or on Moscow. The slim distance between the West and the Eastern Bloc would be insignificant compared with the gulf of space that separated Earth from its satellite. The physicist who led the team working on Project A119 was Leonard Rifle, and in 2000, he told the New York Times in an interview that the foremost intent was to impress the world with the prowess of the United States. It was a PR device without question in the minds of the people from the Air Force. But what a PR device it would have been. Had the plan been carried out the explosion, wouldn't have made the iconic mushroom cloud that we now associate with nuclear bombs. No, instead, due to the moon's lower gravity and lack of atmosphere, debris and dust would have been thrown about the moon in various directions. It would have been a bright corona of dust around the moon, an explosive cloud dwarfing any fireworks that light show that might happen on Earth. There would have been a corona of bright, reflected light that, again, happened because of an American nuke. When it cleared away, a new crater installed by the United States would be left on the lunar surface, albeit one probably not visible from Earth. And I want to point out one of my favorite little details from the A-119 report. It's sort of endearing. The scientists responsible for this project, they talked about logistics. They talked about how big the rockets had to be. They talked about what kind of payload they could afford. They talked about all of the technical aspects of sending this nuclear device to the moon and they also spared a chapter for organic matter on the moon and possible earth contamination of indigenous lunar life. Yes, in 1959, American scientists, they were worried about the biological integrity of life on the moon, even as they contemplated exploding a nuke on the moon itself. Here's a quote from their report. We feel that the likelihood of any biological contamination on the moon is very small, since the possibility of reproduction of a deposited terrestrial microorganism is taken to be negligible. The possible confusion of deposited terrestrial organisms with indigenous lunar organic matter is considered to exist, but if the number of moonfalls is kept within bounds, we feel that the contamination will be qualitatively small and restricted to a limited fraction of the moon area. Again, it's kind of endearing that they spared a thought for possible moon bugs, even a fleeting one, even as they were preparing to again nuke the moon. Also of note, one of the scientists involved in this project was a young Carl Sagan, who later let slip the existence of A119, then still very classified, in a job application for the University of California. We know about this at all because a researcher working on a biography of Sagan happened upon that bit of Sagan's work history in the 1990s, and the whole thing was brought to light. So thank you very much, Carl Sagan, for working on a secret project to nuke the moon, mentioning it on your job application so it can be dug up by an investigative reporter later. If Carl Sagan had not let that slip, who knows how long we would have had to wait for this valuable historical information. And the idea of exploding a nuclear weapon on the moon, it sounds sort of absurd, and it was, and A-119 was never carried out. But it's a plan that came from a certain kind of thinking that was common among scientists in the early days of nuclear weapons. More than a few scientists who worked on a Manhattan Project, for instance, and who were involved with the creation of nukes, suggested that rather than using such a powerful and potentially inhumane weapon on, say, Japan... The U.S. should stage a demonstration of the weapon. For example, there was a July of 1945 document called the Frank Report, named for James Frank, a nuclear physicist, who suggested a public demonstration of a nuclear weapon as a possible alternative to actual military use. The report cited the immense destructive capabilities of nuclear weapons, the possibility that the American public would not support the use of such destructive new technology, and also The very real prospect that other countries would also soon gain nuclear technology and, very possibly, use it against the U.S. after the U.S. used it against somebody else. And here's what the Frank Report has to say on a possible dramatic nuclear demonstration. Quote, From the optimistic point of view, Looking forward to an international agreement on the prevention of nuclear warfare, the military advantages and saving of American lives achieved by the sudden use of atomic bombs against Japan may be outweighed by the ensuing loss of confidence and by a wave of horror and repulsion sweeping over the rest of the world and perhaps even dividing the public opinion at home. From this point of view, a demonstration of the new weapon might best be made before the eyes of representatives of all the United Nations on a desert or barren island, the best possible atmosphere for the achievement of an international agreement could be achieved if America could say to the world, You see what sort of weapon we had, but did not use. We are ready to renounce its use in the future if other nations join in this renunciation and agree to the establishment of an efficient international control. After such a demonstration, the weapon might perhaps be used against Japan, if the sanction of the United Nations and public opinion at home were obtained, perhaps after a preliminary ultimatum to Japan, to surrender or at least evacuate certain regions as an alternative to their total destruction. I find this report and this line of thinking to be fascinating, also extraordinarily naive. The idea that the U.S. for one moment would just show what it could do as opposed to, you know, actually kill people. And that kind of thinking that shows up in the Frank report, it seems to be the same kind of thinking that fueled Project A-119. There's a certain utopian appeal in the idea that a military power like the U.S. could construct a superweapon, demonstrate its power in a harmless yet dramatic way, and then America's adversaries, they would be simply awed into throwing down their guns in the face of superior scientific technology. And such views were apparently common in the Manhattan Project, but were ultimately drowned out. For instance, here's a letter from June of 1945 that is signed by J. Robert Oppenheimer. Quote, The opinions of our scientific colleagues on the initial use of these weapons, that is nuclear weapons, are not unanimous. They range from the proposal of a purely technical demonstration to that of the military application best designed to induce surrender. Those who advocate a purely technical demonstration would wish to outlaw the use of atomic weapons and have feared that if we use the weapons now, our position in future negotiations will be prejudiced. Others emphasize the opportunity of saving American lives by immediate military use and believe that such use will improve the international prospects and that they are more concerned with the prevention of war than with the elimination of this specific weapon. We find ourselves closer to these later views. We can propose no technical demonstration likely to bring an end to the war. We see no acceptable alternative to direct military use." Of course, there was no mere technical demonstration of a nuclear weapon at the end of World War II the U.S.'s show of force, they involved the very real military use of nuclear weapons over Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Fortunately, after that, there was no further military use of nuclear weapons either. There were plenty of other tests, explosions, and shows of force, and eventually both the U.S. and the Soviet Union became all too aware of each other's world-destroying capabilities. A show of force like Project A119 would ultimately have been sort of redundant in the face of the arms race. We knew, and they knew, all about our complementary destructive capabilities. No lunar explosion necessary. And here's Dr. Leonard Rifle, the leader of Project A119, again, quoted by the New York Times. As these things go, this was small. It was less than a year, and we never got to the point of operational planning. We showed what some of the effects might be, but the real argument we made, and others made behind closed doors, was that there was no point in ruining the pristine environment of the moon. There were other ways to impress the public. A few years after Project A 119, the US would, indeed, land on the lunar surface. In 1962, an American probe embedded itself into the side of the moon, though, I must say, that a Russian probe had reached the moon first in 1959. Later still, in 1967, the U.S. and Russia signed a treaty where each agreed not to militarize outer space. We sent humans, three of them, to the moon. Two touched down on the lunar surface. Another had to slingshot around Earth's satellite. When the Apollo 11 astronauts reached the moon, they did so with quiet footsteps rather than a bang, and instead of the force of a nuclear explosion, placed a plaque that had probably even a more lasting impact on how we see the moon than Project A119 ever would have. It was a plaque that said, Here, men from the planet Earth, first set foot upon the moon, July 1969 A.D., we came in peace for all mankind. Interesting Times is recorded at the offices of Portland's X-Ray FM. 91.1 and 107.1 on Portland, Oregon, our engineer is Arthur Rosado. If you like the show, please do support us on Patreon. Uh, patreon it is a voluntary subscription service so if you think you get one dollar worth of utility of the show every month you can sign up to give one dollar a month if you think you get ten dollars worth of show every month you can give ten dollars a month twenty, fifty. it's up to you go to interestingtimespodcast.com uh click on support interesting times on patreon and do that thing We're on facebook facebook.com slash interesting times with joe streckert twitter tumblr all of it thank you very much for listening Talk to you guys next week. Bye.